0: Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View.
1: And today we mark World Environment Day. That's our discussion today. Nations around the globe today commemorating World Environment Day. Here at home, the Department of Forestry, Fisheries and Environment, together with various stakeholders, have converged in Durban in KwaZulu natal to put their heads together on how to advance the environmental needs of the world under the slogan, One Earth, living sustainably in harmony with nature. It's reported that the world is currently facing three major environmental crises being climate change, biodiversity, nature loss, as well as waste pollution, and all of these allegedly driven by human activity and unsustainable patterns of consumption and production. In our Sunday discussion, we'll take a look at some of the pressing environmental challenges facing South Africa and how to mitigate them. We're joining the line now by Albi Mudise, spokesperson for the Department of Forestry, Fisheries and the Environment, as well as Francesca um, Desca- Desca- Descaperes, Executive Director of the Southern African Faith Communities Environment Institute. I'll start with you, Mr. Mudise. Good morning and uh, welcome to The Week in View.
0: Good morning and uh, thanks for the opportunity.
1: How is the department today commemorating World Environment Day?
0: Well, today, like you said in your intro, um, the Department of Forestry, Fisheries and Environment, working with uh, the KwaZulu Natal Department of Economic Development, Tourism and Environment, in partnership with UNEP, um, we are leading celebration and commemoration of the World Environment Day in KwaZulu Natal, in Durban specifically. The, the celebration would include, among others, a walk uh, on the beach uh, with placards with messages that urge all South Africans uh, to live in a sustainable fashion, to cut the carbon footprint, to reduce the amount of plastic that we throw into a river that finds its way to our ocean, but to also remind each and every South African, like we would do to all global citizens, that we only have one planet F. There is no planet B. Therefore, we need to live sustainably in harmony with our nature.
1: Yeah, we've seen the impact of it and how devastating it can be. More, most recently, of course, um, in in KwaZulu Natal with the recent floods, Mr. Modise. Um, the the thought that it's it's only go- going to get worse is is rather frightening here, and people feel feel helpless. W- what can we actually do? Of course, working alongside departments such as yourself. The the choice of. Uh,
0: KwaZulu-Natal was largely informed by the recent painful experiences of the province from the flood that uh, hit that area, uh, regions of the Northwest Province as well as the Eastern Cape, but predominantly in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, we, we have we, we have actually realised that it's important for us to scale up levels of awareness, but also, in the main, we are working closely with the municipality uh, in the area the the need for our infrastructure to be fortified in such a fashion that uh, it's ready for the inclement weather conditions that have almost become a frequent occurrence uh, we also understand that uh, it's important for all of us as South Africans to select to build houses in areas that are low-lying but of course there is another painful brutal truth of uh, settlements that arise in those those low-like areas Mm -hmm. where people just erect checks and stuff. So therefore, it's important that we have an serious education drive to make South Africans understand that uh, we live in a totally different environment altogether, Uh, and therefore the terrible events uh, included and brought home to each and every one of us. that climate change is part of our lives now, and it made us understand the urgency of addressing our unsustainable development path
1: let mm-hmm. me bring in Francesca into the conversation executive director for uh, the southern african faith communities environment Francesca thank you and good morning to you I butchered your, your last name tell me how I say yeah. it good morning good morning
2: not to worry it's, it's actually easier than it looks if you split it up it's gas Paris
1: there we go um, But not to worry <laughs> how, are you, how are you as say commemorating world environment day today
2: Well, we're having a special uh, service with the uh, uh, church in in Cape Town, the Unitarian Church. But we're also doing um, actions online through, you know, we work specifically in faith communities to raise awareness of the impacts of climate change. So we've got a number of faith leaders speaking out online as well. Um, So in our social media channels, that is our plan for today. Um, So we've got a sort of hybrid event. Some of it is on Zoom. You can join Or you can also um, go online and express your concern about the status of the world. So I think for us as an NGO, it's really important to raise awareness on days like this. Um, But it's also really important to be engaging with um, powers that be, the government, Mm. um, businesses and others to say, hey, you know, what are you doing about climate change? Mm. Um, So I'm really excited to hear that. the Department of Forestries and Fisheries is doing the, the walk on the beach in Kuzulunia Tower. That's the most recent extreme um, example of the impacts of climate change that we'll be seeing. And unfortunately, these floods and droughts are set to continue and get much, much worse with uh, worsening climate change. Mm, so mm. it is something that we all need to take action on now.
1: What what should this idea of working together, so so government, um, you know, NGOs such as yourself, communities, what should that working together actually look like? Because when you have a crisis, um, as we saw in in KZN recently, we very quickly get into the blame game. And to my question to um, to uh, Mr. Mudisen just just a moment ago um, uh, about the responsibility communities uh, need to take, we also need to, of course, understand what. Uh, what what we expect the state should be doing, should be providing, so that we don't find ourselves uh, with the crises that we have currently. So, what should that relationship look like?
2: Well, the government is taking steps, and you know it's important to commend them. Oftentimes, my sector spends a lot of time criticizing government um, because we want them to do more. But it's really important to recognize steps that are being taken by the president with the Climate Commission. Um, by the new climate change bill. So steps are being taken, and you can see the Environment Department is right up in front in leading this. But, of course, what the problem, where the problem lies is that ideally we'd see the Minister of Finance walking down the beach this morning and saying this is an economic issue for South Africa. We would see the Minister of Health saying, yes, this is a health issue for South Africa. We would see the Minister of housing walking down the beach. So it actually needs to be at the highest echelons of government, this understanding. And then, of course, as um, my fellow panelists were saying, that we need to see local government understanding what does it take. But, you know, if you don't have the political will and understanding at the top, it's very difficult for municipalities to also get their houses in order. So there's a lot of work to be done in South Africa, both in terms of political will and then actual finance, an actual um, you know, serious solutions being found. If you look at the climate change bill, for example, which has just gone to Parliament, you'll see that it is not high enough in ambition, and it also doesn't tell you how can we as South Africans, how can we as people living here in the country understand the ambition and how it's going to be achieved. So the detail, as usual, it's the devil is in the detail, and that's what we're not seeing yet. So, yes, absolutely, people shouldn't be building houses in low-lying, very risky areas. But then we need to give those families an alternative. And so it is all elements of government. It is all elements of society that need to be supported in a situation of climate change. And it is about education. It is about planning. And it is about finance, as well as many other aspects as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Mr. Miller, let me come back to, to you about uh, the i suppose the, the extent of the nature loss if, if you will right I mean we've seen impact on on, on human life we know the the economic costs as, as, as well I'm wondering whether we've quantified it to, to the extent that we, we truly appreciate um how bad it is but also just in terms of uh, the, the nature losses well are you able to just speak to me about uh, uh just about the the, the the magnitude of the losses as a, as a result of um, of climate change and, and the and the impact on the environment Look, the <laughs> climate change is, is it hits all different sectors of society.
0: It affects the the building infrastructure because it has impact on, as you've seen in Kosovo Natal, the the road infrastructure, the houses, the the sewage system. The impact on human lives is also totally um, unacceptable because you've seen an increase in the number of people who this time around. Uh, specifically, the last two uh, this year's uh, floods, people who died in the in the in, in the floods that uh, hit that part of the province, but also in the main, the challenge that it brings to a developing country like ours is that in the face of uh, competing priorities in the country, you then have to shift the funds meant for other developmental programs into doing, uh, into the infrastructure that would have been lashed by strong winds and also um, uh, floods in the provinces that would have been hit by floods, and Eastern Cape, and the Northwest Province. But also it's, it's fair to also say we need to, the, the Climate Change Act or bill that's before parliament, The, the one of the key priorities of the act, once, it's, of the bill once it's enacted, and the parliament, by the way, is busy with the process of uh, getting input in terms of the bill. And we hope that by the time it's enacted, it will be able to bring legal certainty in terms of how the three spheres of government need to work together. Because the biggest challenge has always been uh, certain municipalities would have elected to prioritize climate change and others would have elected not to. So therefore, you needed a bill or an act of parliament that makes it a legally binding commitment that national department must work with provincial departments and that municipalities must also prioritize climate change issues. Because let's agree the infrastructure of sewage that we have today, mm. as we would have seen in KZN, was meant for a particular period of time when we didn't have the type of weather. Now the biggest challenge is going to be where do you take that, where do you get that type of money to, to, to re engineer what you have. Uh, and it's that kind of challenge that we're going to have to deal with and get to face. But at the end of the day, it's the human lives and the la- the loss of livelihoods that comes as a result of climate change that we have to contend and also find a way of addressing. But also, let me say that our 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 unsustainable lifestyle we we go into shops, we buy plastics, we do all of those things, and all of those find their way into the rivers, get uh, washed it, or sorry, get uh, uh, they flow into the the oceans, and plastic. Is, is a big threat to our marine species. Mm-hmm. So so as much as we deal with climate change, you correctly pointed out the issue of uh, pollution. It's got a bearing in terms of the, healthy, the health of the ocean. It's got a bearing in terms of the fish stock that we have in the ocean. So at this particular pattern, if we continue the way we're doing things, the challenge is going to be when you go fishing, you're likely to get plastic more than fish. And therefore, it calls on all of us to really put a halt to our unsustainable lifestyle and remind ourselves of the responsibility we have for future generations to inherit the country and a planet that is uh, meant for human habitation. Mm-hmm.
1: I-, I think you've certainly driven the point home, um, Mr. Mudise, about the responsibility that uh, um, as, as citizens, um, as residents and communities that we need to take, about how we, we contribute mm-hmm. to, um, to pollution and the environment. But as as a department, and I, and I really want to just get clarity on on what your, your position is, what some of your priorities are, but there's also a segue to talking about um, the the challenge right of, of of a community trying to fight a a a, a giant in the, in, the, in the form of shell um, to stop um, right to, to stop gas exploration um, to stop a seismic survey as well. as a department, you must be watching this case very closely.
0: Indeed, we, we have been watching that case closely, that, that that whole process was driven and, and run by Mineral Resources and Energy. Minister Barbara Creasy, in delivering her budget speech, had committed that uh, the department is going to prioritize in, intense investigation into the whole seismic survey because there are contesting views that are those who believe that we are a country with energy priorities that need to be uh, urgently addressed but of course as a brutal reality of the potential impact to the environment. we, we Because we are a department that understands and operates within a sustainable development agenda, mm-hmm. we understand that it's important to energize our, our economy because we need an economy that can grow, create jobs, and make sure that South Africans are living comfortable and a very sustainable lifestyle. But at the same time, we are a department that understands that Everything that we do must be balanced out in such a fashion that it doesn't hamper nor threaten the continued existence of all the species. Uh, And therefore, that research would seek to bring the the degree of certainty, but also to bring some some scientific uh, answers to some of the contesting views that have been paraded in the courts of law.
1: So, so you, you can't uh, say at this point whether or not the, the department is likely perhaps at some point to support the, the community in this opposition? You're sitting on the fence for now.
0: We, we're doing a study. We, we committed in the budget speech that we were, we are actively working on that study. Remember, we, we work on, on science. We, our policy interventions are informed by science. Uh, and we want to make sure that each time we come up with a policy intervention, there is science that backs us. So there's a whole policy science interface that guides everything that we do, hence that particular study that I spoke about.
1: Francesca perhaps on a, on a similar point here and, and again picking up on on the point about about community and of course understanding the complexity of needs as well so so um what are the sort of environmental projects that, that we should be embarking on what are the sort of challenges that we also expect uh, government and everybody to rally behind especially when when there are strong calls to say this is going to be detrimental to our environment it's damaging our community we don't we don't want this the, the number of balancing acts that Needs to happen here
2: there is there are balancing acts but um the science is very clear about climate change and unfortunately you know um government is run by politicians and politicians have uh other interests that they have to balance so um so you know unfortunately um my my fellow panelists i'm sure that Uh, it becomes difficult when one department in government goes up against another. I mean, you rarely see that. So um, it's very important that we as um, ordinary citizens, ordinary people of South Africa, I don't even want to say citizens because, you know, xenophobia is one of the problems of climate change. We really need to recognize that many people who land up, in South Africa are actually climate refugees already. We're already seeing conflict caused by climate change. We're already seeing untenable living situations, which means people are traveling to South Africa, and we need to be able to recognize that and give safe harbor. So, you know, when we talk about climate change, it actually speaks to the deepest values in us, in our societies. What is tolerance? What is dignity? What is respect for each other? And what can we do as individuals? Well, first of all, I think it's very important to educate ourselves and recognize that government does its best, but they can't do it all. And we can't expect them to fix it. We must hold them to account. We must question what they say, always. Um, We must also recognize what we can do ourselves without waiting for them, because government will always move slower than us. You often see communities who are taking steps or businesses who are taking steps, they're way ahead of government. Government sets policy and tries to bring in initiatives, and they can do it at large scale, which is very powerful. But they're not quick, and, you know, we we shouldn't wait on them to be the innovators. So, you know, I think people who've been pushing government to allow um, individual homes with solar and other renewable energy systems onto the energy grid. Energy is one of the biggest constraints for our development and really for democracy. I mean, it is actually a health risk, a safety risk that we have so much ongoing load shedding. You'll see that we've just finally, um, and I read an article this morning that said it's five years since the Minister of um, uh, mineral and and energy resources came into his role, that he will finally be procuring emergency energy. Now, if you think that we are experiencing load shedding almost daily, why is it taking the government so long yeah. to get the energy house in order? And these are the things that we, as, in, as as people who are living in South Africa, really need to raise our voices on. It's not acceptable. And we can say to the government, this isn't fast enough, it's not good enough. And One of the things that I love about working for SAFSI is that, yes, we are absolutely science-based in our analysis. But also, as people of faith, we can say that this is morally unjust. This is morally wrong. And I think that's something that people really should – you don't have to be an expert on nuclear energy or gas. But you can say, actually, not in our name. We don't want more destruction of the environment Um, We don't need it to address climate change. What we need is exactly what World Environment Day is about, about sustainability and Mm. living in harmony with nature. And that is possible. I know technology is developing. Obviously, there are some decisions to make even for renewables in terms of the fact that you have to extract some heavy metals with that. But we can also... Clean up our mining industry so that it's done in as ethical a way as possible. And that's really what we're about. And there are um, tough decisions to be made, but they can be made. And we need to encourage the decision makers and those in
1: power to do so. Sure, sure. Our Sunday discussion continues in just a moment.
0: Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. on SAFM.
1: Hey, morning, Sivanjilla. It will be very, very advisable for any group that calls itself environmental, not be politically. But it looks like now your guest there is mixing environmental problems with politics. As the country already has problems with people who are illegal in the country. So to talk about immigrants in the country because of of, of climate change. And the government in the country is mischievous and disingenuous to the case. I think people have to realize that the people who are in charge of these issues of environmental activists are people who, are, who have interest in business as well, because they're running those ranges across that coastal belt of the country, I think it's too learning. Tulani, so, thank you for, for your voice note. Uh, I am still in conversation with the spokesperson for the Department of Forestry, Fis- Fisheries and Environment, um, Lb Mudise, as well as uh, Francesca deques Paris, Executive Director of the South African Faith Communities Environment Institute. Uh, we're both joining us on the line. Francesca, let me throw that one to you, that uh, comment we, we just heard saying, don't politicise the environment. But it's political, isn't it? Unfortunately,
2: it is, yes. and because decisions are being made on behalf of South Africans, which are political. So, you know, we, we cannot see this as something that we can keep our hands clean from politics or even clean from planting trees. Yep. You know, this is work that requires us to get involved, and it can't be kept separate. Of course, we don't want it to be political as in factionism. We don't—I mean, from our perspective at SASSI we're not here critiquing a political party. We're critiquing decision-making processes, governance. That's a different thing. So you don't have to become a politician or uh, you know, be speaking about a political party, but you can be speaking about how are we making decisions and are we making the right ones, and that is mm,
1: political. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to add the comments here. Um, Leo on uh, 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 sent us a text message saying, "Morning, SAFM, The population must be halved. The world is overpopulated, and uh, um, they are uh, marking that as uh, one of our biggest issues in terms of the environment." Mr. Modise, coming back uh, to you, Mr. Um, pity, we have very limited time here because we also wanted to speak a bit about uh, about energy right and and, and green energy mm. a big talking mm. point also given our our energy challenges um, in in the country perhaps you could briefly speak about what the department's view is on on that and how big a priority in fact is the transition to to green energy and of course some critics have said that government is only paying lip service to this
0: Look I think the IRP is clear in terms of uh, the energy mix in South Africa. There is a recognition that uh, coal is uh, part of the energy mix. There's an, also an appreciation of the need to bring on board renewables. Um, and that process is led by Minister Mantashi with the Department of Department of Mineral Resources and Energy. So government has appreciated and accepted the fact that uh, we need to bring on board green energy. Because in any case, the green agenda is part of the broader government approach. I think it's about how we transition to that. And the just transition... It's a, it's a path that we all are embracing in government. And that's why the president has set up the Climate Change Commission to assist the country to coordinate all of these things. Because remember, at the end of the day, if it's led by one department, it's not going to be as impactful as when it's driven at the top at the presidential level and coordinate all of us, right? From the Department of Energy, from the Department of Environment to finance and everyone, because that must be finance. So therefore, you need Treasury on board. That must also take in consideration the fact that there, there are, you know, men and women who go into the bed of the F to get coal to mm. power the energy of this country. What do you do with those people when you reduce the reliance on coal? So it's going to be a narrative that involves that, like, organized labor and everyone. So that whole, um, you know, appreciation of the potential impact to lives and to livelihoods, but also to the transition towards a greener, cleaner energy. Uh, and how we do it is it's an important consideration. So it's not just a question of switching off today and switching on green tomorrow. It's about making sure that it's just, it recognizes the role of uh, people in that situation. But it also begins to say in areas where today there are power stations that use coal energy. How do we transform those areas into becoming the green hubs of energy? Because mm. you don't want to end up with ghost towns the day you demobilise or decommission some of those power stations. So it's a consideration, it's a it's a it's a conversation that's gets towards making sure that we live in a country where when you decommission certain power stations, you don't leave behind communities that have no other livelihoods. Because if you go to the Bumalanka today, most of those communities today, mm. the economies are reliant on the work that's happening on those power stations. So when you decommission them as we are asked to do, we need to make sure that as and when it happens, because in any case most of them are old and aging. We, we need to bring on board the green investment in the area so that the economies of those towns as well continue to grow, uh, even in the new green energy. Mm. Uh, so. mm. All
1: right, so, and quick, quickly, Miss Modisa, this morning's um, Environmental Awareness Walk, um, what are you hoping to achieve by this?
0: Look, you, you, spent, you mentioned the three... Uh, touching points in terms of the challenges. In terms of biodiversity, I need to just mention and and also say to the listeners that we as a department are putting out a white paper on conservation and sustainable use on biological resources, which is going through the Cabinet system and will be going out for public comment. So that worked to also highlight biodiversity. We have also, three years ago, Cabinet approved the National Waste Management Strategy that begins to advocate for the diversion of waste from to and advocate for the municipality to play a role in reducing waste in the environment. And that much seeks to say to South Africans, let's work together to reduce waste.
1: That's why we're going to have to leave it, uh, Mr. Medisa yeah. off. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I appreciate um, both your time. Albi will as well as Francesca Decas-Paris, my guest uh, this morning on our Sunday discussion. At 7 o'clock, that is our time. Thank you very much uh, for all of your engagement. Until next time, kwande.